on this special episode of Movie Geeks United, we are proud to welcome character actor Eddie Deason. Mr. Deason has lent his unmistakable talents to many memorable films over the past 40 years and has an impressive resume with nearly 100 credits. Film fans who came of age in the 70s and 80s will remember his appearances in such beloved films as 1941, I Want to Hold Your Hand, Midnight Madness, Zapped, War Games, Follow That Bird, and of course the two Grease films where, where Mr. Deason starred as the character Eugene. In addition, Mr. Deason has appeared in such fondly remembered shows, television shows as Magnum P.I., Punky Brewster, The Facts of Life, and The Fall Guy. More recently, he's become a much sought-after voice talent who can be heard in such uh, projects as Polar, the Polar Express, SpongeBob, Rockadoodle, and even the 2015 animated Transformers series. It's a pleasure to welcome you to our show. Thank you, Adam. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're just so excited because you're one of our uh, our favorite character actors. You really are. And uh, well, thank you. Well, <laughs> well, we'll if you're talking that. movie geeks, yeah, I got to be in there. No question <laughs> about that. Well, we we really all are movie geeks. I mean, we talk about cinematographers and editors. We know them all. Okay, all eras. You go back how, how far? Like, is there an era you like, or a genre, or anything, or just all movies? Well, I think uh, my colleagues and I, we all came up age in the 70s. Uh, I was born in 1970, and uh, my producer was born in 73, and uh, and uh, my uh, other two hosts, they were born in the late 60s, early 70s as well. So, uh, okay. you know, we all come from that era, uh, but we, we have a reverence for things before that, of course. As okay. Uh, but, uh, but we... You know, those were the in, influential uh, films for us. Was you know the seventies, and and it is a golden age of filmmaking. I I personally think, but seventies, <laughs> yeah, there was some great stuff in the seventies. Uh, yeah, but uh, I'll just get you to tell us about your beginnings, how you got started with all this. We're always curious about that. So sure, well, professionally, Adam, it was uh, I came out to L.A. Uh, right after my high school graduation, nineteen seventy-five. It was that far back, and I did mm-hmm. uh, the comedy store. I worked at the comedy store three times. I didn't like doing stand. Up. I used to use cue cards. That was my earliest time I used cue cards. Even in those days, that far back when I started 42 years ago, I still couldn't memorize my lines. And then as far up, you go up to War Games, Polar Express, all the stuff. They had to give me cue cards. I couldn't remember my lines. Polar Express, <laughs> I used cue cards all the way through. War Games, they got me cue cards. But we can get into that later. But And then uh, after uh, the comedy store, I did the gong show that year. The old gong show with Chuck Barris in 1976. Oh, yeah. I got, yeah, I did a stand-up comedy routine, and I got gonged by Paul Williams. Paul Williams gone me, and I, I met him about 30 years later, and he apologized to me. I saw him at an audition, and I go, hi, Mr. Williams, I was on the gong show, and you gonged me. And he goes, I'm so sorry, I, I really want to apologize. I go, don't be silly, it was a gong show, no big deal. But he said, no, please, you have to forgive me. He told me he was an Alcoholics Anonymous, and you had, they had to, for anybody they hurt, while they were drinking, they had to apologize and be forgiven. So I said, of course I forgive you, don't be silly. But he was a really nice guy, and he was very sincere about apologizing to me. So that was my TV debut. I got Grease the next year after that, 1977. Wow, wow. So, so Grease came first, I'm, I'm assuming. Grease was my first film, yeah. Luckily, I started in a great one. Usually actors start in turkeys. You know, when you start your career, you usually do low-budget B-movies, you know, really bad films. But luckily, mm-hmm. I started at top with Grease, so I got a good break there. And Grease got me in the <laughs> union. When I did Grease, I wasn't even in the union. And Grease put me in the union. Wow, wow, that's very, very interesting. And I know, uh, you know, I've, t- I've talked to 
several people who were uh, involved in the film, or and they all say that it was kind of a surprise that it became the big hit. I mean, they expected something out of it, but not this gargantuan thing. Not to this become. extent, yeah. That it's like the, the Wizard of Oz or Star Wars. You didn't expect that extent, but I, I, I thought, you know, I think. Adam, when everybody does their first one, I think they think it's going to be a hit because you're so green, you know. Then right. later on in my career, I, I do so many turkeys that bomb. I realize, wait, most films do bomb. You realize in movies, I'd say probably 90, 95, 96% of movies probably just die out. They're, you know, Harrison Ford, Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, they're going to have hit movies. But there are so many movies done under the radar that just die out, you know, especially in those days. There were so many cheap, low-budget films, you know. But Grease, luckily, was a good film. Great A film, and yeah, it it's stands the test of time. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, it's still good, uh, you know, and we all watch it on a you know semi regular basis. I have uh, my my daughter's twenty now, so you know she came of age when it was having its resurgence in the nineties. So uh, mm-hmm. I was able to actually take her to the theater when it got the reissue in nineteen ninety eight. So I oh, that's uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, you should see it in the theater at least once. It's so cool. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure next year. To... Next year's our 40th anniversary, believe it or not, and I'm sure it'll be re-released at least for a time next year. I know. I was going to say if you, I was going to ask you if you guys had anything planned at this point, or if you, or you're just nothing concrete. Not I at guess. this point, but we are. We're hopeful. What can I say? I, I do signing shows all over the place. I'm, I'm doing. Um, I'm, I'll get in a quick plug, but I'm doing the Comic Con in sure. Pensacola, Florida this weekend. I'll be there, but mm-hmm. the Grease cast, we all want to sign together next year for the 40th anniversary. Hopefully, we'll get some gigs. I don't see how we won't. I think there will be some good signing shows for us next year, because I'd love to see everybody. And, you know, who knows, Adam? Maybe it's the last time I'll see him. Who knows? You know? I know. It's, it's sad Not to, to sound think morbid. about that. Yeah. <laughs> We're all getting true, up there, you know? Grease, Grease members are in their 70s and 60s now. That's how old we are. We, ain't teen- right. we weren't even teenagers when we did the film, let alone now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think about Ed Burns. You know, he's got to be uh, what? Uh, Ed, oh to my 80. God! Ed is nineteen thirty-three, so he's eighty-four. God bless him. Wow. Man. Yeah, he's probably. Yeah, he's, I guess he's the oldest cast member right now. The oldest surviving cast member. Right. Yeah, but he's still going yeah. strong, as far as I know. So good for yeah, him. Yeah, that's wonderful. Awesome. I love him. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it's funny how they list your first credit as Laser Blast as being your actual. Yeah, you, first you know what happened there? I did Grease first. Grease, I filmed the mm-hmm. summer of 77. Uh, it was June through August 77. Then I did Laser Blast a, a later in August, a couple days later. Mm-hmm. It was a three-day shoot, low budget. But Laser Blast, although I did it after Grease, it was released first. Laser Blast was released March 1st, 1978. Grease was my third film released. Grease was released in June 16th of 78. And I did one called I Want to Hold Your Hand with Bob Zemeckis, my favorite director. That came yes. out in April of, seven, of 78. came out second, but it was actually my third film, if you can follow what I just said. Yes, I I want to hold your hand is uh, yeah it makes sense it makes sense I okay. I want to hold your hand is is one of uh it, that's been a I saw that film when I was in high school uh, I guess it was probably around 1988 it played in the middle of the night on my local television station and I remember seeing it for the first time and I just I thought this is a gem this film is yeah just, great is, movie tremendous. it tanked at the box office like I told you you know it, it was a good film. But for whatever reason, it just tanked. It just it went. It didn't do anything. Bob Zemeckis, I knew he was a genius, my greatest director. And Bob remembered me from I Want to Hold Your Hand and wrote me. And I did 1941, of course, the next year, which he wrote. And he remembered right. me and wrote me into Polar Express, like the 25 years later. And I Want to Hold Your Hand was the first film Spielberg ever produced. Stephen was hanging around on the set, and I saw him a lot. That was where I met him. <laughs> yeah, I. 
I, I just, like I said, it captures that, uh, you know, of course I wasn't alive back then, but I can imagine that it's probably a realistic depiction of those events when it was, you know, when it was actually happening because it, it exactly, seems like such yeah. a... Yeah, and and you're you're great in it, obviously. Oh, I mean, thank we're, you we're so always, much. <laughs> and my my kids grew up with that film too, as I said. So you all Beatles fans? Yes, we all are. Yes. Okay. We, yeah. We, yeah. We, very much, and we we quote your dialogue from you know selling the the carpets and the, all of that. It's right. Great. It's just, <laughs> well, thank it's you. It's the best. It really is. It it just it's uh it just, it just captures that, and uh, it's a shame. That it really didn't, and even here, I, I think in America, it hasn't uh, really. It, it got a Blu-ray release in England last year, which I have luckily a region-free player where I can play discs from all over the world. So I ordered uh, a Blu-ray from England because I had to have it in high def. <laughs> so that's right. how much of a fan I am. So oh, I went good. To, yeah, it's that. It's that good. But. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. Are, are there any stories about the production that you want to? Say? I know a couple of you can. Well, I want to hold your hand. Um, I, like I said, the, the thing that I remember, I guess, in retrospect, is hanging out with Stephen. Stephen was on the set a lot, and uh, it was there was an agreement about it, Adam, that uh, it was the Mexico's first film, and they wouldn't finance it. Universal Studios wouldn't finance it unless they guaranteed that if Zemeckis they didn't like what Zemeckis was doing, or he left for any reason, if anything went mm-hmm. wrong, Spielberg would take over. But it never happened. Bob did finish the film. He was great. Um, I'm trying to think, um, let's see, um, it was a fun shoot, it was a wonderful shoot, I loved Wendy Jo, Wendy Jo, of course, mm-hmm. I guess you know has passed away, she passed away right. a couple years ago from cancer, which was a tragic loss, she, I heard she lied about her age, she was, said she was 18, I think, believe it or not, as great as she was in that film, and she was so awesome, I think she was like 16 or 17 years old, she wasn't even wow. 18 when she did it. So she was, I mean, she was just so dynamite. And I don't think, I followed her career the rest of the way, but I don't think she ever duplicated that performance. That was her best role. I mean, I saw her in other films, and she was good. But I want to hold her, and she just knocked it out of the park, you know. I know she is great, and I, I know uh, the Megas used her again in used cars, you know. Uh, too, too great effect, I, I, I would say. But, uh, yeah, she was she was great. And, and I know another one of your castmates passed last year, Teresa Saldana, unfortunately. Teresa, who was great, yeah. Yeah, Teresa. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was very nice. She, yeah, sadly, um, yeah, I, I do miss her. I did love her, and uh, I hadn't seen her in ages. I hadn't seen mm-hmm. Wendy Jo. When we did Polar Express, I think I ran to Wendy Jo at the commissary one day, and I got to, you know, at least talk to her. Teresa, yeah. I, I, it was one of those weird things. I was just walking down Hollywood Boulevard one night. This is maybe like 30 years ago, and I happened to see her. She had a beret on, you know, a Bonnie and Clyde white beret, and I remember mm-hmm. I saw her, and I hugged her, and that was the last time I saw her, but we hadn't really Aww. kept in touch that much, but... Yeah, sadly, you know it happens. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. You, um, Wendy Jo was much too young, though. She was way too young. Oh, I know. It was so shocking. I remember when that yeah. happened. I, I remember you know seeing the obituary notices, and I just I couldn't get over it. You could have knocked me over with a with a feather. I was just yeah, yeah. Bored. She was so full of life, you know, so imbued with the Elon Vital, the spirit of life, you know, and everything she did. Just and terrible. I know that Nancy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, as you were saying. <laughs> Yeah, Nancy uh, I saw last year. We did a signing show together. I did Chiller Theater. I signed that in New Jersey last year, and I saw Nance there. And she's as mm-hmm. lovely and beautiful as ever. I, I mean, I love her so much. We hugged and we got to reminisce a little bit, but she's just as gracious as ever. Everybody loves Nancy. Oh, yeah. She's, uh, yeah, she's, she's had quite an interesting career as well. And I, I know yeah, that she had a great she, career. Yeah, she did. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Blowout, actually, uh, one of her diplomas. John Colt, I remember that one. That's a good movie. Yeah. 
it's a tremendous, tremendous uh, film. I just, uh, it, it just, I, I've adored it for so many years. But yeah, she, she I know she. You know who loves uh, that, by the way, Adam is Quentin Tarantino. That's one of his three favorite films. He named it as one. He loves uh, Rio, Rio Bravo with Dean Martin, Blowout, and there, there's a third one I forget. But Blowout is a film he worships it. So you're in good company. <laughs> I, I have to tell a funny story about Quentin. I, I was at the New Beverly uh, two years ago, and uh, I was at a midnight screening of Rosemary's Baby, and lo and behold, he sat right in front of me at the screening for <laughs> a midnight no screening kid. of Rosemary's Baby. Did you talk to him? Yeah. Yeah, I did afterwards, and it was so funny because I got to listen to him make comments uh, during Rosemary's Baby, so it was almost like watching Rosemary's Baby with a Quentin Tarantino audio commentary. It was kind of a surreal experience, I have to say. Yeah, because at most films, Adam, you hate that. You hate somebody talking, but you're right. You sit by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, I want to hear him talk. Let him talk. You know, you want to hear the commentary. But if there's one thing that bugs me is if it's a great movie, I don't want to hear people talk. Shut your mouth. You know, I want to hear every little bit of this film. I know he was he was laughing every time that Ralph Bellamy came on screen as Doctor Saperstein in the film. He kept laughing is out loud. Right? And- there, there's a great story, Adam, about years ago with Groucho Marx. He went to a movie, and they were there, and he was making comments all during the film. They didn't know he was there. And the audience goes, shh, shh, be quiet, shut up, you know. And then one person said, he goes, who do you think you are, Groucho Marx? They said, literally. And then he gets out of the movie, and then the lady sees, she goes, you're Groucho Marx. I, I can't believe And he goes, oh, you didn't want me to talk before. I'm not going to talk to you now, he said, or something, you know. But it really did happen. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's terrific. Yeah, he's uh... – He's, he's interesting. I, I, you know, I didn't want to gush over him or anything like that. But we, we just talked about movies. We stood out on the sidewalk at about two thirty in the morning talking about uh, what he was doing with the new Beverly, and he was real interesting. And, uh, so we, he seems like a nice guy. He seems like a friendly, nice guy. Yeah, he, he is. And uh, we, we met on common ground because we both love film, obviously. And so it was, uh, mm-hmm. it, was it, it, it was an easy conversation. It wasn't, you know, uh, strange or anything like that. But, but anyway. Right. Uh, so, so I'll move on to some other things on your resume. Sure. Uh, of course, ni- 1941, uh, love it. Uh, I know. Thank you. I miss that. Again, uh, we talk about time. John has been gone 35 years. John Belushi, I loved. Yes. He's been gone 35 years. That's hard to believe. I know. That's uh, That movie has such an amazing cast. Uh, just One of the great, great cast ever, yeah. Yeah. Yes, two great character actors. Uh, you know, with Slim Pickens, with the, you know, and a lot of his stuff got cut in the original theatrical cut, and it's thankfully been restored on uh, video. In the stuff right. where he's cutting him with Christmas trees that uh, Japanese uh, d- disguise as Christmas trees. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's great stuff. But, you, but you're great. Uh, we always quote the line. It's going, it's going. <laughs> right. You know my story about getting sick, right? Did you ever hear that story? Well, tell it again because I think our listeners will appreciate it. Okay. Well, I was – I spent – you know, 1941, I spent pretty much the whole film on the Ferris wheel with Murray Hamilton, right. who's a wonderful guy. But anyway, one day Stephen was really whipping us around fast. I think we needed to – you watch the movie, and there's one shot where we're – I think it's probably where we're rolling off the pier in the Ferris wheel. And Stephen was whipping us around while we were filming. And anyway, I had mm-hmm. a bad motion sickness, so I, got, so I started feeling nauseous after Stephen was spinning us around for that time. And I got sick, and Stephen let me off the way. He goes, go lay down in my dressing room. So Stephen's secretary took me, and she laid me down in the dressing room. So I'm laying down in Steven Spielberg's bed in his dressing room. I'm feeling sick. <laughs> then I go in the bathroom. I threw up. I go, oh, my God, I just threw up in Steven Spielberg's toilet. I go, this is one of the highlights of my life. <laughs> it's always been one of the highlights of my career that I threw up in Steven Spielberg's toilet. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. 
It really yeah, it's is. one of my favorite. One of my favorite moments in my career. <laughs> I I've heard. I don't know how true it is, and I might have seen this in the uh, documentary on the making of uh, 1941 that that Lauren Bootsero put together back in the uh, 90s for the laser disc. But I think somebody said in that film that Murray Hamilton was really aggravated as he as aggravated as he seemed in the film. He really oh, was. really? Yeah. Well, you you uh, know what it was? No, he, he was a big-time smoker, you know, and he had a hard time yeah. breathing up there. And Mur- Stephen would have to let us down every few minutes. Literally, we'd get down, and he had oxygen tanks. And Murray would have to, <gasps> and he'd yeah. literally take oxygen. Then he'd, we'd go on the Ferris one, he'd send us back up. And then, you know, after an hour or so, we had to go back down. Murray would get more oxygen. He literally couldn't breathe up there. So he was, yeah, I guess that kind of added to the aggravation, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Besides yeah. me, you know, being so annoying in the film, bugging him. <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes it great when you when you pull the dummy out. That's just that's, that's oh, too thank much. You. Yeah, my old pal. <laughs> yeah, was that? Uh, I guess they made that especially for the film modeled after you, of course. Which yeah, I think is and people always ask me what happened to him. You know, there was a raffle yeah. after the movie, and a, a rich lady won him. It was a fifty dollar a ticket raffle, and a rich lady won him. I heard so wherever he is, he's in the mansion of a rich lady, or I mean, she might be, might be dead by now. I don't know. This was forty <laughs> years ago, so but he that's where he, that was his fate. Is that's where the dummy ended up. Oh wow, she's uh, yeah. Well, she's a lucky lady. I I would love to have that piece of movie memorabilia. Yeah, I'd like to see my old pal again. I <laughs> know, <laughs> really, really. But yeah, it's it's such a great film, and like I said, I think it was unjustly. Uh, people talk about it as if it were this terrible abomination of a film, and it's it's really really funny. I mean, there's a yeah, it's it's one of those you either love or hate. I've seen it both ways. I've talked to yeah. Adam like maybe two or three people, literally at least two, who said it's their favorite film of all time. Yeah. Which is hard to believe, but they said that, and I meet a lot of people who love it. Maybe they're just being polite to me, you know, but the cast alone makes it great. Seeing John Belushi on film makes it great, you know, and it had its oh, yeah. moments, and it's, it's Spielberg's only comedy, you know. It's the only comedy Steven Spielberg ever did in his career, so it's kind of historic, and the privilege of working for Steven Spielberg is great. Here's another great story. I don't know if you heard this one, but I, I, I was on the set. You know, I was 22 years old, mm-hmm. so I'm hanging out on the set once, and it's lunchtime. So Spielberg, I'm there with Steven, and he goes, Eddie, you want to have lunch with us? I'm there, you know, practically dying. Humming, I'm like Ralph Cramden. Humming, 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 humming. <laughs> Who does he want to have lunch with? It was me, John Belushi, and Dan Aykroyd. Sure, I'll go, you know, da-da-da. So we go to the Universal Commissary. It's Spielberg's on my left, John Belushi's on my right, and Dan Aykroyd's sitting over at the table. I swear to God, Adam, I didn't say one word. I was like in daze. I'm, I'm looking, you know, trying to keep my jaw from dropping. I'm sitting while they're all kibitzing and talking during lunch, you know, and I sat there for an hour like an idiot. Hopefully they didn't notice. Anyway, they, we finished lunch. I realized I don't have any money. But luckily, Spielberg picked up the tab. <laughs> Stephen goes, oh, this is on me. He picked up our tab. Like, I go, what am I going to do? I can't pay for my bill. You know, I'm such a, a rube. You know, I feel like such an idiot. But luckily, he picked up the tab. But that, that was the coolest lunch of my life. Even though I didn't say anything, it was the coolest lunch of my life. Right. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great story. Yeah. Well, well, I think I think it's safe to say uh, uh, Mr. Spielberg could have afforded it at that point after his uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he was uh, hurting for for uh, coinage, as they say. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is a uh, but yeah, 1941. We, we love it, and I love a lot of the little small touches that he does there that that kind of go over people's heads. Like I think at the beginning of of the film. He has the little rascals for no reason, really. Just these kid actors that look exactly like the little rascals standing on right. the corner. And you just, yep. there's just small touches. And, and it's like, wow, this is just, it's, it's, you know, just, and the, and the uh, sequence inside the, uh, the, uh, 
the big dance sequence is so incredibly choreographed. Yes, it is. It's, yeah. Oh, uh, it's just it's it's great. But anyway, we'll move on uh, to Midnight Madness, which I know oh, yes. has a cult following. Another great cast. Yes. Look yes, at the people who came so. out of that film. Yeah, of course. Stephen uh, Furst, no, Pee Wee Herman, Maggie Roswell, who was on The Simpsons. She was the Reverend Lovejoy's wife. All kinds of people came out of that movie, too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and, of course, David Naughton, who went on to do David Naughton, Naughty Boy was great. Yeah, he was the, the yeah. Sergeant Pepper guy in those days, or Dr. Pepper, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was, and actually had a top ten record, uh, make, making it. <laughs> right, <laughs> making it exactly forget. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so wonderful guy. Too. He was a great guy. That was a weird film in that it was the only film I ever did, and it's very odd. It had two directors. It was uh, Michael Michael Nankin and James Wechter, co-directors. Wow. The only film I've ever done. How many films did he have with two directors? But for some reason, Not I guess they were best pals, and they did two. They did. It. I don't know if they ever directed again after that. You have to, I guess, Google them or look them up on IMDb. But that was the only film I ever did with two directors. Oh, that's fascinating. You know that. Yeah, and here's that, another weird one. I'll give you really inside trivia, Adam. When we sure. were filming at the airport, we filmed at LAX, the airport, you know. And I mm-hmm. went through the luggage machine. I went through the luggage check machine. <laughs> we were all goofing around <laughs> on the set, and there was no watchman there. I guess. So I just laid down as a gag, you know, and I went through the x-ray machine. <laughs> and then the guy, a guard, he's like, what are you doing? He practically killed me, you know, but I did. I might be the only human being to go through the luggage machine at LAX. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, well, Grease 2, I know some of the uh, the cast from the original film opted out uh, not to do that one, but, but I know that right. – uh, that you did, and 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 Didi as well. I think was also Didi was involved. back there. Yeah, a couple others, few others, but not. Yeah. Oh, Dennis was there. Dennis Stewart, Craterface. That's right. Dennis yeah. Stewart was in it, but not many of us. Yeah. Don't care yeah. for it myself. It's not my taste. I love Grease. Grease, I can watch over and over. I've probably seen Grease a hundred times. You know, over the years, Grease too. I mm-hmm. never cared for. I don't like the music. I don't like the. Although they, everybody was wonderful in real life. I loved everybody, and it was a nice cast. But right. I don't like anybody in the film, in the movie. You know, I didn't get into anybody. Whereas Grease, I love everybody. I love all the music. I loved everything about it. I often, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, I always thought it was funny because that, that film was directed by Ken Finkelman, who six months later went on to direct Airplane 2. So he's, and those are his two most notable credits on his resume. So he's the guy that directed sequels the two to two sequels. of the most popular movies of all time that both tanked. Yeah, you're right. Good point. I tried. I know, I know, it's funny, and I tried to get in touch with him, actually, because I wanted to do a 35th anniversary show about those two films, because he directed both of them, and I thought it would be great to talk to him and find out what kind of challenges he was up against to try to... Yeah, I wonder what know. he's doing nowadays, Kenny. He was a, he was a nice guy. I haven't seen him since we did the movie, but I wonder what he's up to. I think he's been doing a lot of Canadian television, from what I'm, I'm finding, but I, I did get an email address from somebody who knows him, but uh, he didn't respond, so I guess he just didn't want okay, to go okay. back down that road. But Right, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. That film was but, a turkey, in my opinion. It was a turkey, but whatever. Some people <laughs> like it. Over, like I say, over 40 years, I've, I was talking to my sister about it today. I go, yeah. In 40 years, I've met maybe like a dozen people who said, this is out of talking to thousands and thousands of people I've talked to, but maybe a dozen people said they like Grease 2 better than Grease 1. And I'm thinking, are you stupid or something? You know, he's like, you dumb bozo, are you stupid? But that, you know, everybody, you know what I mean? There's no accounting for taste. Everybody has their taste. 
Yeah. You want to like Grease 2 better than Grease 1, you know. It's like, you know, it, it's kind of like saying, I like this third-rate, cheesy film better than The Wizard of Oz or something. You know, somebody has that opinion. And what can you say? You can argue with them till Kingdom Come, and that's their opinion, you know. That's it. You're not going to change their opinion. Right, right. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I think a lot of it is a nostalgia factor, too, because there's things that we see when we're children that uh, – you know, when we go back and look at it as adults, we're like, it's really indefensible, uh, but I still kind of like it for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, it's cheesy. You're right. It's one that's watchable. Like, you know the categories, Adam. You're a film nut. And there's two yeah. categories out there. There's the films that are bad, and they're so bad you can't watch them. And then there's some that are <laughs> bad, and they're so bad that it's fun to watch them. Just as, they're like campy. And Grease 2 is like that. A lot of my movies are like that, in fact, if you look at it. I think Laser Blast is kind of like that. You know, it just, it's so bad, but you look at it, it's kind of enjoyable, you know. Yeah, it's a, a good example for myself, personally speaking, would be the Cannibal Run, the original, because I, I always Perfect say, example, yeah. You yeah. see Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. in that movie. And then Cannibal 2, Frank Sinatra's in it. You got Sinatra oh, yeah. playing, you know what I mean? And I, believe it or not, I think that's the last film for, for Frank and Dean. That I think turkey. you're right. After, yeah, I mean, they had two of the greatest careers in showbiz history, yeah. and they end up in, in a turkey like that. <laughs> it's kind of like Blake Edwards ending his career with Son of the Pink Panther, which is another yeah. example. of <laughs> Right, yeah, you never know. <laughs> you never know, you never do. But but anyway, yeah. we'll move along to, uh, I think, Zapped came along about that same time, which also has a, a following. Uh, there's yeah, people Scott who, Bayo, super nice guy, wonderful nice yeah. guy. Willie Ames, nice guy, yeah. I worked on that very briefly, but, yeah, that was a fun mm-hmm. film. Yeah. And you're right, that's another turkey that's it's fun to watch, yeah. <laughs> For the women alone, just to see the babes. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah I, it's, actually, that did get a Blu-ray release, and that's what amazes me. They can release that on Blu-ray, but they can't release I Want to Hold Your Hand on Blu-ray in America. I don't Good understand. Point. But, <laughs> Good point. You're right. I don't get it. But, anyway, so War Games, uh, you, you you were in that as well. We, we've had John Batham on our show uh, multiple times, so he's, he's yeah. And you know, John guest. wasn't my director. You know, I started right. it. Yeah, I, I started it. Adam Marty Bress was my director, who later did Beverly Hills Cop. Marty was. Right. I, I forget Marty. I think I think he wrote Fast Times at Ridgemont. He was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. But anyway, Marty Bress was a wonderful guy. He directed me in uh, War Games. Okay, and they mm-hmm. fired him after the first fourteen days, twelve or fourteen days. They didn't like his rushes. They didn't like his dailies, so they fired him. But wow. I did my scene with him. It was uh, Matthew Broderick. I think it was his first film, either his first or second film. And I went in anyway. I kept screwing up my lines. The, the line is now, I use the word data encryption algorithm. But when I was on the set, I kept going, data endocrine algorithm, data algorithm <laughs> endocrine. Data, and I kept screwing it up. So after about 10 takes, Marty Bress, he puts his arm on my shoulder. He goes, Eddie, let's take a walk. Okay. Then he, takes, he goes, look, you're costing the studio thousands of dollars. He goes, we're going to get you idiot cards. We're, you're going to read your lines off these idiot cards, and we're going to get through things. So he wrote up my dialogue all in the cards, and if you watch War Games, you'll see me. I'm reading my lines off idiot cards. It was the first time I ever used cue cards, and I got through the scene like that, and I go, this is great. I love idiot cards, and then later I used them. I like All my Fred Olin Ray films, you know, I use cue cards. Zemeckis got me cue cards. I used them all the way through, <laughs> and luckily they left yeah. my scene in. When, they, when I heard Marty was fired, you know, I go, there's no way they're going to have my scene. But they left the whole scene in with Maury Chaikin and I. Maury, I love, too. Maury passed away, you know, about two or three years ago. He was a mm-hmm. wonderful guy. Yeah, great character actor. Yeah, I I, uh, I knew that uh, that somebody was replaced on War Games because I knew that... That, um, that was Marty, yeah. Yeah, I knew Batam was not the original 
director, but I could not remember who it was. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, because he, I know he took over and he had already just completed uh, Blue Thunder. So he had like two films that came out in, within a two-month stretch there, I think, because uh, right. so it was amazing. But I see you, uh, yeah, another one that you did around that time, and I, I love your character name in this one, uh, Sphincter in a Polish Vampire in Burbank. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was the only non non union film I ever did. I did it as a favor. Wow. And I, I walked off the set. I'm doing it for no money. So one yeah. day we finish the scene and I go, Okay, give me my ride home. And then the director, I forget his name, he was a nice guy though, but he, he goes, Just wait around while I'll give you a minute and I got furious. I go, I'm doing this film for no money and they don't even give me a ride home when I went so I walked off, you know, I said, I'm not gonna do this anymore and I walked off set. Then they got a replacement for me here. They did a double with me, I think. Like remember Bell Lugosi and um uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space. They got a look alike for me. And I, I wasn't in the film, but I think they had a look-alike, and they, they finished it that way. But anyway, I got in trouble with Screen Actors Guild for doing that movie, for doing it. Because if, if you work non-union, you know, and you're in SAG, you get in a lot of trouble. And I got mm-hmm. in, you know, they had a big trial, and I was, I was really scared. They go, don't you ever do this again, or we could throw you out of the union. And, and I had to, you know, swear I'd never, and I never have. I've never worked non-union again. But th- that film got me in a lot of trouble. Yeah, all for all for nothing, really. In the end, yeah, all for a nothing <laughs> film, that's for sure. Unfortunately, I mean, it, it was, yeah. you know, but you never know. You never know. It's the luck of the draw. But uh, yeah, you, you, you take your chances, and sometimes all the great elements can be in place, and it just doesn't it doesn't work out. You never know. But, yeah. Uh, but uh, Surf Two, and I remember when this came out because uh, it was always strange. I remember the Leonard Malton review said uh, the funniest funniest thing about this film is there was no Surf One. <laughs> exactly, that was it. Was in the Guinness World Records when it came out, the Guinness Movie World Records book. It was the first movie that ever was a two or a sequel that there was no original, and that was how Surf Two <laughs> listed it. And then later somebody else stole the gag. I think Leonard Six or something did it, but Surf Two yeah. was the first movie to ever do that. Surf 2 was great. I loved doing Surf 2. Lots of cute girls. I had a mm-hmm. ball on the set. I loved it. Ruth Buzzy, everybody was wonderful in the yeah. cast. Morgan Paul was in it. There was a guy in Patton, remember? Patton's assistant mm-hmm. in Patton. He was, Morgan was great. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I remember it being, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a guilty pleasure for me. And I, uh, it's a guilty pleasure, exactly right. Yeah, I like, yeah, it has a lot of laughs in it. Surf 2 has a yeah. lot of laughs. I think it's one of my better B-movies. Mm-hmm. It's one of yeah, my few I, starring vehicles. I think I've only been the first build in about three films. That's one. I got billed later in Mob Boss with Morgan Fairchild, which was a great movie. Great B movie, too. <laughs> but that's, uh, those are maybe the only two films I've ever top billed. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I, I spoke to Jack O'Halloran the other night. He said to be sure and tell you hello when I. Oh, Jack was a wonderful after. guy. I loved working <laughs> with Jack. He was great. I got to work with yeah. all those old, you know, character actors. What was the guy's name? Mike Mazurki. Remember him in all the early movies? He was like always a criminal. Do you remember him? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was his last movie. Surf Two was his last film. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, and I, I did wow. my big speech, and I was real nervous being around him. You know, he was a great guy, but you know, it's like this face you've seen him all your life. He's done like four hundred films or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he calls me over one day. He goes, he goes, yeah, you did a good job in that speech. I did my big speech, and he was there. And he goes, you was good. You did a good job in that speech. It was really good, and that was his big compliment. I go, thank you very much, <laughs> Mister Mazurki. It was really, you know. Like looking at this old <laughs> classic face. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. That's great. Uh, yeah, so I know you did a voice in Follow That Bird, of course. Uh, Follow That Bird, yeah, we did uh, in Canada. We did that one in Canada. And I worked with, mm-hmm. I worked with two films with Sandra Bernhardt. She was in the Whoopi Boys originally, but she walked off the set. She wasn't happy there, and she left the Whoopi Boys. But that was where I met Sandra. We weren't friends at first, and then Sandra and I got to be friends. She was actually very nice. 
but we weren't friends at first. And uh, yeah, I met Mac and Jamie on that. On uh, oh, I'm thinking Million Dollar Mystery. I'm sorry, that was I'm switching, yeah. my mind switching over. There's so many B movies. But yeah, I worked with Sandra and Follow That Bird, and I met um, Lorraine Newman, who I love. We're friends to this day. I love her. I met her in Follow That Bird. She was wonderful. And of course, Kathy Silvers, Phil Silvers' daughter, was in that, who I love too. We're all still. We keep in touch through Facebook. We're all still Facebook friends. That's amazing. I didn't realize that Phil Silvers. I I knew that, but I'd forgotten about it. That Phil Silvers. Yeah, Kathy's his daughter. Right. Yeah. I know. There's another. The next one here on your resume was the Long Shot, which uh, I, I Tim Conway, who I love. Tim Conway was a childhood hero. Like, the Long Shot. I don't really do anything. I'm in like for about one real brief bit. I don't think it's even right. funny. But the honor of it, of course, was working with Tim Conway. And then yeah. I later did a, about three dwarf films with Tim, and he's the nicest guy in the world. He's just a super great guy, and he was a huge hero to me when I was a kid. I loved mm-hmm. Mikhail's Navy. You know, was my favorite show when I was growing up. Yeah, he's great, and he's still still going, still funny as ever. I, still I, going I, strong. He's the same yeah. age. You talk about Ed Burns, same age. Tim is. Yeah. I think he's going to turn eighty-seven in December. It's amazing. It's just yeah, amazing. wonderful it's, guy. Another amazing thing about that film was that it was uh, executive produced by Mike Nichols. <laughs> Oh, is that right? Which film was that? That was the Long Shot. Yeah. Oh, the Long Shot. Okay, Mike Nichols. I didn't know that. I don't think I ever met Mike. That's interesting. I didn't know that. So you're telling me something I don't know. It's interesting. Well, somehow he got his name on there as an executive producer. I mean, of course, you know, with those things, you never know exactly what level their involvement is. But yeah, uh, yeah, he's but, probably an old friend anyway. of Tim's. You know, and Tim got him there. Yeah, true, true, but. Uh, but I did want to talk to you about Million Dollar Mystery because we've discussed this on our show uh, before. This is a very curious film because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I grew up in North Carolina, and uh, I remember when Dino De Laurentiis opened his studios in Wilmington. It was a pretty big deal for our for the state where I grew up, and uh, they, you know, they made a big deal about it. And, and he, uh, I remember, put out a bunch of these films, you know, and each one of them. Uh, tank uh, terribly. Yeah, there's that was King a major Kong tank. They, million Dollar Mystery, you know, their angle was it was the only film in history to give away a million dollars. Have you saw right, the yeah. million dollars? The film, I think, only made 900000 It was such a turkey. <laughs> so they didn't even cover <laughs> the million in that. <laughs> of course, Dealer Rennes had to pay off somebody. Somebody won it. But the movie didn't even cover its own cost. It was that much of a turkey. He was, and by yeah. the way, I don't like to speak ill of anybody, let alone a person who's passed away, but I'll just tell you between us, Richard Fleischer, the director, by far the worst director I ever worked with, he couldn't direct traffic. He was a turkey. <laughs> the wor- he had no sense of humor. He was a crabby old crabapple mean man, just a sour old mean man. And I just, I didn't get, a, well, it's not that we didn't get along so much. It's just, he had no ear for comedy. And I tried right. so hard to add some comedy to it. Oh, Eddie, don't yeah. do that. Oh, no, Eddie. He's this, this crabby old grouch. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, Rest of the cast I, never, I loved. Everybody else liked. Kevin Pollack, I, the most talented guy. Kevin Pollack is such a talented actor, and that was his first mm-hmm. film. Mac and Jamie, I loved working with. We used to play poker all the time. Kevin was a poker hustler, by the way. He won all my money playing poker. I got my per diem, you know, and the first day I lost mm-hmm. it all to Kevin playing poker. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, yeah, when you think of comedy, you don't think of Richard Fleischer. That's not, that's not You're the right. He could, and he, yeah, he might, he might have done some other good films. He did Tora, Tora, Tora. I don't, right. you know, I don't care if he directed Gone with the Wind. He was a jerk. He just was a terrible director. <laughs> Sour yeah, he, old man. 
Yeah, he. I, I'm not. And you're the first person I've ever actually heard to dis- describe how what, what it was like to work with him. Because, I, but you know, yeah, maybe so you know, you know what? Here's the thing, Adam, about life though. He might have been going through a hard time at that time. It could have been. Anything. He true. might have been in pain. I met Jerry Lewis years ago, and he wasn't that friendly to me. And I've talked to so many people who said Jerry was bad, and I've talked to so many people who said he was nice, but he was in pain. Jerry has bad mm-hmm. back pains. For whatever reason, it might have been about – you know, we all have bad days. And, you know, you yeah. meet Frank Sinatra on a bad day, and for the rest of your life, you go, Frank Sinatra's a jerk, you know. But it might just be a bad day. Or you meet Elvis. It's a bad day. Whatever. Yeah. Elvis's mother dies, and he's having a bad day. And you go, hi, Elvis. And he goes, get away from me. To us, mm-hmm. we just go, this guy's a jerk. But to them, they go through the same things in life as all the rest of us. You know, they go through ups and downs. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he – you know his resume is just so so fascinating. He's a legendary because, director, yeah. He's a legend, but I just I because, had a bad experience with him myself, just because I he was a terrible comedy director. Right. Yeah. He goes from uh, on his resume, you see things like the Boston Strangler. And yeah. Then Tony Soil, Curtis. I love Tony Green. Curtis. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Soylent mm-hmm. Green, and then and then you get uh, Mandingo, and then you get the jazz singer with uh, Neil Diamond. <laughs> yeah. Tora 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 is a classic. Right, yeah, he's all over yeah. the place. He's all yeah. over the place. Yeah, I think he did that one film that was a huge uh, failure uh, called Incon, I believe. Incon uh, is that him? Incon, that's it. In- one of the biggest yeah, bombs of all time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he directed that one as well. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, he was behind quite a few. Now, did you guys shoot that down in uh, Wilmington? Uh, we you... shot it in um, where Grand Canyon is, because I remember I visited Grand Canyon, wherever the Grand Canyon oh. is. It was uh, okay. our Arizona, isn't it? Arizona. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Arizona, yeah. we filmed yeah on location. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I didn't realize because I know he had the uh, De Laurentiis Entertainment Group uh, was down there in um, uh, Wilmington, and I know they, like I said, they were really weren't hitting on all cylinders because I know they did Maximum Overdrive and King Kong Lives and Taipan and Million right. Dollar Mystery and all. King of Kong just... gave Jessica Langer start though. That's one good thing about it. Yeah. <laughs> It was, but anyway. Uh, so I know Critters Two has a has a cult following that you. Uh, Critters Two, yeah. I turned into a woman in that one. I turned I turned yeah. into a woman. So that was I did two films in drag in my life. I did that one, and I did another turkey called Mugsy's Girls with with Ruth Gordon in the eighties, and I'm in drag in that one too. I got thrown out of a Las Vegas casino. I was gambling in drag, and we were drawing a crowd there. I was throwing <laughs> dice in drag, you know, shooting craps, and they said you're barred yeah. from the casino. Don't come back. So I got barred from a casino in Las Vegas. <laughs> Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, that's uh, uh, funny too, Adam, in that Ruth Gordon I loved. She was the nicest lady, uh-huh. but I couldn't understand her. And she would talk, she was, you know, in her 80s or whatever at the time. And yeah. I'd be doing a scene with her, and she'd go, and then, uh, you know, and you wait for your line. You know, I'd go, hi, Adam, how are you? And you go, fine, Eddie, how are yeah. you? you know, let's say that's our dialogue. And I'd go, hi, yeah. Ruth, how are you? And she'd go, I'm a sad And she would, like, mumble like that. And I couldn't understand what she was saying. So I just wait for her lips to stop. Then I'd say my next line. I go, what the devil she saying? Go da da da. How are you? And she go, and I took him and I rocked my And geez, what are you talking about? But she was a super nice lady, though. Garson came yeah. into it with her husband. They were a very nice couple. True, true, yeah. And of course, uh, you know, she she won the Oscar for we were talking about it earlier, Rosemary's Baby. So right, Rosemary's Baby. And of course, uh, what's her, her mortal film? Of course, is uh, which one? Bud Corbett is it? Harold and Maude, yeah, Maude. wonderful film. Yes. Yeah, she was Terrific. a cool lady. She knew the Marx Brothers, you know. She used to, she went out with Harpo Marx. They used to hang out together. She got, I mean, she had a great history, Ruth Gordon. She's a legend. 
Yeah, she spanned uh, most of the 20th century uh, in, in film, so that was right. an interesting time that she she came up. You're exactly right. It's uh, but uh, so there's a couple other things here. I, I, before you started getting into voiceover stuff, I see there's um, Hollywood Boulevard too. Uh, I guess that's where I played a deaf mute. That was my easiest role. I play a deaf mute. Yeah. So I went through the whole film like Harpo, and I didn't have to say anything. I go, this is easy. You know, it wasn't yeah. funny. But I got all I do is nod, you know, when he says something, I nod mm-hmm. or I shake my head if it's no. But that was where I played a deaf mute. It was the only film I ever played a deaf mute in. Easiest gig <laughs> ever. <laughs> you don't have to rememberize any lies. You just walk around like an idiot. Yep, yep. It's all all in the face, I guess. <laughs> but uh, so so I noticed uh, this. It's about this time when you got into um, voiceover work for a lot of these. Yes, I drifted movies. into voiceovers around that time. Mm-hmm. My, my on camera career was getting a little thin. Although I, I was always working, you know, I do a film every so often. Right. But I started doing voiceovers. I started doing cartoons. I would I did Dexter's Lab at uh, Cartoon Network, and that kind of started me. And I. I was the only one doing that nerd character in those days, so I got tons of work. I was doing all the shows, and then later on, of course, now everybody's in it. You know, when I started doing voiceovers, like in, in late '80s, early '90s, we were the most insular community. It was like a group of us, maybe a couple hundred people, and we, we got all the roles. You know, now everybody mm-hmm. does it. You know, there are tens of thousands, and all the celebrities do voiceovers. You know, but in those yeah. days, I, I had a monopoly on the nerd character, so I got to work like crazy. I did all the cartoon shows. I got to work with Dan Castellanetti, you know, Homer Simpson. I got to work with him oh, a couple yeah. times. Wonderful. Got to work with a lot of right. stars. Yeah, so that, that was a blast. Yeah, I noticed uh, Rockadoodle was one of the first ones. Uh, right, and, and Rockadoodle course, I worked uh, with, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was going to say Glenn Campbell was one of the voices. I didn't know if you Yeah, I never met to... Glenn. Everybody was asking me if I knew him, but I never had the pleasure of meeting him. Mm-hmm. But uh, great loss. Yeah. You know, he was a wonderful guy. I love um, – Wichita Lineman, I love one of my favorite songs, but I never got to meet oh, Glenn. Yeah, I just I did that one, and yeah, I've never seen it this day. Believe it or not, that's one of the few films I did I've never seen. That's interesting. Yeah, Don Bluth was the uh, director on that. Don and Bluth, I, right? I, super nice guy, great guy. Yeah, I liked. Uh, I really am a big fan of his Secret of Nim from 1982. That's a that's a tremendous, I think, uh, adaptation of that that book, which is a you know perennial favorite for for, for kids, but. I, I noticed here uh, there was Darkwing Duck that you did, and then uh, Darkwing Duck with Tim Curry. I got to work with Tim Curry, r- r- super right. nice guy, wonderful nice guy. Asked for his autograph. I remember he couldn't have been nicer. And he was mm-hmm. when I did Chiller last year. He was there. Tim was there, but I didn't get to see him. But he was a wonderful oh. guy to work with. Well, that's great because I know he's had uh, some health issues, and I'm glad he's uh, rebounded from that. Uh, yeah, in fact, he's doing a, a signing show. I saw. I think in December he's doing a Comic Con or something. So mm-hmm. he's still there. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's um, and of course you you were uh in the Weird Al show. There's quite a few episodes. Weird Al, I played the up. wall. Yeah, I played the guy on the yeah. wall or something. I did about right. half a dozen or a dozen episodes of that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Easy, another easy well, gig. Just read my lines. Yeah. It was easy. Unfortunately, a short-lived show, which I thought was fairly clever. Uh, yeah. Which most of Weird Al stuff is. It tends to be. I'm a fan, so. But, uh, right. yes, so there's um, – and, of course, Polar Express, obviously. Polar uh, Express, working with Hanks. My favorite actor, Tom Hanks. My favorite director of all time, Bob Zemeckis. So that was the mm-hmm. coolest ever. Uh, I went in. I did a screen test. I didn't know Hanks was in it. So I get on the set the first day. They go, this is what it's like. It's a new process called motion capture. I'd never seen it. We all looked weird, you know. It, this was a big deal in those days. It, it was the first motion capture film. But I heard a right. voice. I saw the film. It was Tom Hanks. I go, that sounds like Tom Hanks. So I go, is Tom Hanks in this film? Yeah, so I go out. The first day, 
He goes, the guy takes me aside. I think one of the producers, one of the producers, he goes, Tom is like a big overgrown kid. Don't even worry. So Tom Hanks comes bouncing in the room. Da, da, da. There's a whole, there's like a hundred of us in this room. Everybody was there, cast and crew. He t- shakes my hand for, hi, Eddie, I'm Tom. And I'm like, you know, no blank, Sherlock, you know. Yeah, like, I don't know you're Tom Hanks, you know. But he couldn't have been nicer. <laughs> and all through the shoot, he was the nicest guy ever. We finished the shoot, okay, the last day of the shoot, Adam. He goes, Eddie, I hear you're a baseball fan. Yeah, I am. He goes, I have box seats at Dodger Stadium. You want to come to a game with me? Are you kidding? You know, then he took me to three Dodger games. I got to go to three Dodger games with Tom Hanks sitting in his box seats at Dodger Stadium. Nicest guy ever. Oh, what a, what a, that's great. That's awesome. I, I, yeah, I talked I'll, to I'll you tell you the best Tom, I'll, I'll go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say Jack O'Halloran said the same thing when I talked to him yeah. the other night because he was the villain in Dragnet, of course, and uh, they – they had, you know, they, they were uh, together in that film. He said the same thing. So, so yeah, anyway, just I, as you imagine him, he's just that nice of a guy. I'll tell you the best Tom Hanks story. I'm on the set one day, okay? Tom and I were being made up. And, we, you know, we're in makeup together. And Captain mm-hmm. Kangaroo had died that day. Bob Keeshan had died, the mm-hmm. guy that played Captain Kangaroo. Right. Tom and I both grew up with Captain Kangaroo. We loved him. So Tom and I are sitting in the makeup room talking about Captain Kangaroo, how much we love And I was real bummed out, you know, because Captain Kangaroo died. So I walk down the mm-hmm. steps of the makeup room. I get, I'm done my makeup, and I get out. Tom Hanks comes bouncing down the steps of the makeup room. We're, it's all alone. It was just me and Tom Hanks. It was a bright, sunny day. And Tom Hanks sings me the Tom Terrific song. This was a character oh. on Captain Kangaroo. He sang the song word for word perfectly. He goes, I'm Tom Terrific, and, da, 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 and however the song goes. But Tom mm-hmm. sang me the whole song. So I'm sitting there looking at Tom Hanks. I go, this is not surreal. Tom Hanks is singing me the song from Captain Kangaroo. So he sings me the song. I was so overwhelmed. I go, you know, I, I couldn't think of anything else to say, Adam. So I go, mm-hmm. you know what? You're a great guy. And he just smiled and walked away. And I'll never forget Tom Hanks singing me the Captain Kangaroo song. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. Oh, that's nice. That's very nice. He was yeah, that he, kind of a guy. He was just that cool of a guy. I know it's uh, in this age of scrutiny that we that we live in. Uh, you know, the, uh, nobody seems to be able to come up with anything bad to say about him. So <laughs> that yeah, tells you. that's an excellent point. You're right. There's never been anything <laughs> bad said about him. Yeah. <laughs> the most telling thing they go, they go, if he ran for president, they go, there's talk, I don't, it probably won't happen. But they go, yeah, Tom Hanks right. can run for president. They go, he would be elected in 50 states. Everybody, you know, nobody's going to not vote for Tom Hanks. You know, everybody loves Tom Hanks. I think you can get the most conservative Republican, the most far right. less liberal. Everybody would vote for Tom Hanks. He's just the most likable guy in the world. Yeah, I, I think he needs to consider running next time. I think that may be our only Yeah, he, anyway. he'd win in a landslide. <laughs> I, I, I want, and you know what? You know what, Adam? I think he'd be a good president. He has such a good heart. He's such a good-hearted guy, mm-hmm. and he's a smart guy. I don't think he'd be mm-hmm. a stupid guy. You know, I think he'd be a great president. I, have to, I mean, I'd vote for him in a heartbeat. I'd vote for him in a second. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think there's – like you said, I don't think there's many people who would who would not – yeah, I think everybody from both sides. You know how we say, the country's so divided. I don't want to get political on you, but the country's no, so divided. Know. You know, and they'll, they'll never come together. I think Tom Hanks could get everybody united. I think it, really the most <laughs> far right or the far left guys, the most extreme, would all vote for Tom Hanks, and I think he would be a great president. So it's an interesting idea. <laughs> yeah, just uh, phase out the acting career and move into something yeah. else. Right. Yeah, I mean, what's there left to accomplish? You know, he's left us with, you know, 20 or 30 great films. He's left us with his great legacy. He's accomplished everything. He's won two Oscars. Get into yeah. politics, you know. That's probably the only thing he hasn't done. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Excellent point. Yeah, so uh, 
Well, yeah, I, uh, I noticed, you know, here of late, you're doing such uh, some really interesting uh, and varied works, such as uh, SpongeBob, of course, still. SpongeBob, and, that was my last film. I did the last right. SpongeBob film. He's an old friend of mine, Tom. Tom Kenny's a great guy, and I did mm-hmm. a couple episodes of the show, and I did one TV movie of uh, SpongeBob, and that, that was my last right. In fact, I worked with Tim Conway again. We're actually we're in the oh, end nice. credits. You don't. They go. Where are you in the film? We're not actually in the film. We're in the end credits. You'll see two seagulls in the end, and that's me and Tim talking at the end. That's us as seagulls. Yeah, my my like I said, my kids were big fans when they were uh, younger, especially my son. So he it, it, of SpongeBob for me. Yeah, 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 it was, yeah. Uh, it, it, it was inescapable in our house, but yeah, you could. Uh, this, uh, but uh, and it, uh, for, for, that's going to be their thing from their generation too. When they get older, they're going to remember that fondly. So it, yeah, but yeah. yeah. But I noticed here uh, the Robots in Disguise Transformers TV series is, is kind of interesting. I did too, one episode but, of that. Yeah, and they're wonderful cast. They were so nice. Everybody was mm-hmm. so nice. Yeah, I loved working on that. That was one of the last cartoons I did back in 2015. I left LA in 2015. You know, I've been out here in Maryland for the last two years. Yeah, so we'll see. I don't know if I'll get back to my career. You know, Adam, between us, I don't know what's going to happen in my career. I turned 60, so I don't know if I'm going to go back to it or I'll just stay retired. I don't know, but we'll see. I miss L.A. a lot. I miss my friends, and I miss acting, so Mm -hmm. maybe I'll get back one of these days. Oh, I love it out there. I've I've always wanted to live and just just never never made the the plunge, but uh, I I love it. Yeah, great restaurants, great people. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, when people say they miss it I, and they're not there anymore, I I can identify. Yeah. I miss Pink's hot dogs. I miss Pink's hot dogs. My favorite. Mm-hmm. I used to go there and eat three or four hot dogs at a time. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's the little things, and there's always the book and poster shops for people like myself. Yeah, the best uh, bookstores. Yeah. When I want to go to a good bookstore here, we have to go to Washington D.C. There's none in my neighborhood. So I went yesterday to Washington, D.C., or Saturday we went to Washington, D.C. By the way, Adam, mm-hmm. I'll give you some advice. We saw a great film called um, uh, Wind River. It's called Wind yes. River with Jeremy, um, Jeremy, what's his last name? Jer- Jeremy Renner, I believe. Jeremy yeah. Renner, yeah. See that film. It's, it's the best film of the year. I predict he's going to win the Oscar. Mark my words. He's going to win the Oscar, and I predict it's going to win for best film. Yeah, that's written and directed by the guy who did uh, the, the Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water. And, and you know what? That was my favorite film of last year. I loved Hell or High Water. That guy's it a genius. Yeah, it made my top ten. It certainly made my top ten. It yeah, I love that movie. One, but it was up there. It was definitely What was your there. favorite last year? Last year, my favorite was a, was a documentary that I saw that I don't think too many people uh, saw, but it completely blew me away. It was called Tower. And it was a drama. It was a, it was a documentary uh, about the 1966 shooting at the University of Texas. Oh, uh, where the, okay. The guy got on top of the thing, and, and they didn't have any actual footage from when that happened. But what they did was they got the stories from the survivors, and then they took pictures of them and and traced uh, them and animated them from old pictures. And it, it was kind of like a rotoscope. Yeah, and it was the movie was so full of humanity. Uh, it mm-hmm. just moved me to tears. It was an incredible experience, and I don't think of the technique of it mixed with the, the the humanity that was in there as well. It just blew me completely away. And uh, interesting, did it I, win any Oscars? No, it didn't even get a nomination. It came out in November. I think uh, Kino was the distributor on that, and I mm-hmm. and I caught it at the tail end of the year, and I. I tried to promote it as much as I can. I'm a member of the North Carolina Film Critics Association, so I do get to vote on these things. And uh, so I, I put it. 
I did the best I could for it, but it still didn't make a difference, unfortunately. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, you never but I know. It. See it if you okay. can, Tower. It's okay, thank there. you. I'll look for it. It's out on video now? Yes, yes it is. PDF, actually. Okay, I'll look for that. In February, and uh, it's, it's out on video now, so yeah, it's really quite extraordinary. I think you'll be impressed. So, uh, okay. So, and, for whatever it's worth. <laughs> okay, thanks for the tip. Yeah. And yeah, you should so remember mine, Wind River. See Wind River. Great movie. I have, yeah, we haven't gotten um, – I think we're having a screening of it, uh, a print screening of it here in a week or two. So uh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm catching up with you it know, really, really – Adam, soon. I'll give you the small caveat. There's one caveat of it, so beware when you go see the film. Mm-hmm. He mumbles. Jeremy Renner was great. He's a, one of the finest performances I've ever seen in a movie, and I'm not exaggerating. But some of the lines he mumbles, you can't understand what he says. That's what aggravates. And I would listen, and he, he says such great things. His dialogue is so magnificent. He, there's like these classic lines, but I couldn't understand a couple times what he said. So be wary of that. You've got to listen very carefully to him because he talks in a very slurred type voice. That's good, that's good to know. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I want to see yeah. it again. When it comes out here again, or when it comes close by, I want to see it again just to hear the dialogue I missed. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's interesting what's uh, you know, what's going on in the movie industry. And I was going to ask you what your take is on how things have changed as far as uh, this glut of superhero films and all of this. Which, which you know, I, 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 you know, what I don't mind it because I like the superhero films. I love Spider Man. I love right. Iron Man. I love Batman. I love Superman. I see every film. Okay. What mm-hmm. I don't like is CGI. I hate the CGI right. trend, and it's ironic I say that because I, I, I think Surf Two. I'm sorry. I think uh, Polar Express helped start that. Polar Express <laughs> was one of the first big CGI films where they used all these weird effects. It was the first motion capture film, and it was one of the you know it kind of brought 3D back. If you look before Polar Express, there weren't a lot of 3D. Now, like every other film's 3D, or all these superhero films are in 3D. And I hate the special effects because I want to see a good story. I want to see good, di- you know, hear good dialogue, watch a good story. I don't care about the special effects. You know, doesn't mean anything to me. I know. I know. I, I, that's why I was uh, really disappointed with this last Spider-Man film. And I, I, I like you, am, am a Spider-Man fan, but I felt like this. I love Spider-Man. I like was... the first was my favorite. I, lo- I still love the first yeah. the best. Here's my yeah, take on it, Adam. I didn't like the first half, but I did like the second half. The first half of it, I thought, this is the worst movie. I almost walked out. And then the second <laughs> half, I thought it came to life and it got better. I did enjoy the second half. But Spider-Man, the, the recent Spider-Man with that new kid, I thought was a split one. I thought it was half and half, half bad, half good. Yeah, I'll give you that. It wasn't, it wasn't the worst thing I've seen, but uh, it wasn't uh, on the level of Suicide Squad or something of that nature. But it was, uh, it was certainly a come down from the original Sam Raimi trilogy, which I thought was – Exactly. The first one was the classic I love. And by the way, the first Batman was my favorite, the Michael Keaton one. I thought that was right. the best Batman ever done. He was a great Batman. He was awesome. I thought Jack Nicholson was a great Joker. I loved that one. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, and and I'm a big fan of Batman Returns. I think uh, that was you, uh, because Tim Burton basically had carte blanche with what he could do, right? And, uh, so they just uh, let him do get away with basically anything he wanted to. Yeah. By the way, really... Adam, I, the first Iron Man was my favorite. I like the first Iron Man with Robert Downey. I don't like all this shtick where everybody wears a suit. Every Iron Man now, yeah. what's his name? Who's that black Don Cheadle? He wears the Iron yes. Man suit, and all these guys steal the suit. I'm, I don't want to see that. I want to see Tony Stark be an Iron Man. That's the <laughs> shtick. That's what I want to see. But everyone, oh, let's have eight guys be Iron Man and wear the suit. No, I don't want to see that. The first one, Robert Downey was Iron Man, and that was it. That's what I want to see. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you something. 
I'm on 